Welcome to the Guide Podcast, your place to hear the latest fly fishing tips and conservation news with our hosts, Nathaniel Treichler and Colton Orbacher. This episode is made possible by the Fly Crate, the easiest way to discover new trout flies. Treat yourself to amazing flies, dope stickers, and the TFC's Guide magazine every month. Be a genius. Try the club today. It ships for free, and you can pause or cancel anytime. To learn more about the Fly Crate's monthly fly club and online shop, visit www.theflycrate.com. In today's episode, I am joined by a graduate student specializing in stream ecology to discuss how snow melt and rock salt runoff affect the health of local streams. Alright, so I have Corey Conville on the podcast today, and uh, Corey's actually a good friend of mine. Um, We met at Bloomsburg University. He is a grad student, and he is studying. Corey? Hi, yep. um, I'm currently studying the effects of uh, agriculture pollution on uh, stream ecosystem functions, and then also on the uh, uh, macroinvertebrate communities, too. That is fucking awesome. Um, and you're graduating in, what, a year or? No, you're graduating uh, this spring. Yep, spring. Yep, May I'll be done. And then uh, hopefully PhD then after that. So. Yeah, dude. Where are you, where are you looking yeah. at going? Um, I have a couple applications out, mostly out west. Uh, I, I've applied to like Oregon State and Idaho State and uh, like UC Berkeley, so... Hopefully, doing more work, kind of uh, building off of what I'm doing now. But I want to do more work with uh, almost like temperature changes and how that affects the, the the bug communities and also the overall stream functions. And so. you're just wrapping up your thesis right now, right? Yep. Yeah. Just uh, I'm I'm almost done with all of my uh, identifications, and then we just have to analyze the data and write everything up. So pretty much coming to an end. We did 20 streams across, uh, or 19 streams. I'm sorry, across. Uh, Central and Union and Columbia County, and with like kind of uh, a gradient of agriculture pollution within the watershed of each one. And what have you found uh, in your studies so far? I, I know it's like a a whole topic, and you know, study, and mm-hmm. you probably don't have time for it. But you know, just like this. Um, preliminary uh, findings: we actually found that the streams that had. Um, higher fluctuations in diol oxygen, and so that would be caused by, you know, uh, a lot of, like, photosynthesis happening at night, uh, during the day, you know, you get a really high, you know, a uh, really high uptick in oxygen, but then at night, then it goes, it drops down really far. And so that's actually kind of really characteristic of, uh, like, streams that are, in, that are uh, being, uh, you know, polluted with agriculture runoff, and so that, like, that's kind of, that stuff's kind of rich in nitrogen and phosphorus, and, you know, when you add all these extra nutrients, you can really change the whole stream ecosystem. And so we've kind of, where we see this kind of, this really high fluctuation, um, we're actually seeing a more, a higher abundance of uh, pollution tolerant macroinvertebrates. So it's kind of, you're seeing less sensitive and kind of more of the tolerant species uh, in those streams. And, and we actually compared them all. And this was kind of all across, you know, we compared different sizes and so that's like even comparing the same size streams, it was 
with different kinds of uh, agriculture in the watershed. It was uh, actually like, you know, we saw the same results then from both. But uh, once we get it kind of more specific, with the, once the identification is done, we'll actually get more um, concrete data from it. And we can even look at like changes in the types of uh, macroverber communities and uh, a lot of other really cool stuff that we're, we're still wrapping up. So basically, they're becoming more resilient over time, like natural selection and, you know, the, the no, wheat die no, off. No. Um, more like uh, we're reducing the overall diversity and the uh, sensitive macroinvertebrates. So, like, you would only see maybe certain kinds of really tolerant caddisflies, but you really wouldn't see any sensitive type, like mayflies. So there's certain uh, types of bugs that can kind of live any- anywhere. And when we saw more agriculture within the watershed, you saw more tolerant and less sensitive macroinvertebrates. And so then that reduces the overall biodiversity within the stream. Uh, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Uh, and that goes hand in hand with brook trout too, right? Yeah, yeah. So kind of where we would see, uh, you know, wherever there's more... Um, you know, agriculture within the watershed, we were seeing, you know, it's it's probably not an ideal trout stream. Uh, a couple of them were actually, like, listed as impaired. And where you, so you, where you see these, like, high fluctuations, you also see typically less um, riparian buffer. And so that's, like, all the shrubbery and especially the uh, the, the trees right along the edge of the, of the stream. And that provides a ton of uh, shade and actually catches a lot of the the solar rays and reduces the, the and it actually keeps the summer uh, stream temperatures way lower and so uh, you, typically like those kinds of places you, you, you see a lot less you know habitable brook trout streams so. so more buffers more trees more shrubbery the better yeah yep. yeah I think it's the uh, fish and boat has a they have a saying they say that uh, or, or one of the I forget what uh, companies they say uh, trout grow on trees because you know, you, uh, especially like the uh, tiny mountain streams, you get a lot of uh, the energy flow and everything like that comes from the the, uh, the leaf layer coming from the trees, and also it provides so much shade and you know helps maintain that those you know great brook trout trees. <laughs> That's what they say. You know, uh, trout grow on trees. So. <laughs> oh man! Um, and you were also investigating, well, like you know, studying how like the debris, like the overabundance of leaves you know, affects the composition of the, the water or, you know, I don't know the scientific uh, way to say um, it. Yeah, well, I was, uh, we, for like a, a couple, one of my papers, I was looking into um, how, like uh, the effects of elevated CO2 levels and how that could affect uh, the, uh, not only like leaf layer chemistry, but also then how that, you know, that can affect the macro communities. And actually what's been, uh, some of the studies suggest that uh, it's, you can actually decrease the nutritional value of the of the leaf layer, or you know, increase its toughness and things like that because of increased uh, CO two levels, and that can you know actually have big negative effects then on the macroinvertebrates that rely on or on the in, in, that rely on that kind of leaf litter as a main food source, and then also you know when you're in like these really small uh, mountain streams, that's the main energy source is you know leaf litter, and that can even sustain some streams like you know, for an entire year. So it could, you know, have some really big negative impacts and the same, and it kind of goes the same uh, other way around. So uh, when you add a bunch of nutrients, uh, like extra nutrients, that could even 
speed up the degradation of that uh um of of those of the leaves within those streams and, and you know you could burn up what would last you a year and maybe like six months and it could have you know there's a whole bunch of food web impacts that that could you know possibly go on there and it, there's we could, we could talk about that for days <laughs> <laughs> wait so uh co2 levels are rising and why is that exactly uh anthropogenic climate change so you know uh it's just you know human activity is you know we're driving you know this is that we're driving the climate now it's just, uh you know large levels of emissions you know and then there's also we can there's other things like you know fracking with the release of methane that 25 percent more heat trapping than carbon dioxide and so overall we're increasing uh global temperatures and so there's a bunch of different you know projected problems that go along with this and you know one of the biggest ones is there's a they're, they're expected to see more extreme precipitation events. And so, and also, you know, warmer, rainier winters here in Pennsylvania. And so that can have really big impacts on uh, the brook trout population. So, no, and, uh, no, that, don't, like, that uh, doesn't happen. Psh, no. <laughs> EPA, the EPA guy says no. That's, that's not a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not like we can measure the amount of CO2. And, you know, 2017 was still the, I think it was the second warmest. <laughs> Year on record. It's, oh shit! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow's supposed to be pretty nice, so you know, thanks global warming. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I think Friday. I think Saturday's supposed to be like fifty and raining <laughs> in the middle of January. <laughs> oh shit! But, yeah. Well, that's not good. Yeah, and that brings us to my question that I asked Corey earlier today. You know, you. Um, there's all this salt on the road. You know, from them salting <laughs> for the snows and everything like that. And I was just curious, like, you know, when it rains or, you know, when the snow melts and it slowly makes its way through the watershed and into the streams and then the larger rivers, like, what does that do to, like, the composition of the water and how does it affect, like, the trout and the macroinvertebrates? Yeah, well, and this is actually, this is a really interesting topic and it's actually probably been one of the most understudied things, um, uh, I looked up a, a few studies on this too, just to, you know, kind of see what I was talking about. And, and yeah, I, I didn't realize the sheer volume of salt that's actually put down on the roads. Um, in the U.S. alone, it's 22 million tons. And so, and <laughs> I forget, I was looking at a study and they even did the math. And it was like about 137 pounds of salt per person in the U.S. applied oh, annually. Um, and so like this can have a, a bunch of, there's, there's been a bunch of, there's been some studies looking at, you know, the amount of salt, the different types of salt, things like that. Um, and there was a couple different ones that they worried that once it runs off, uh, so like when it rains, it'll, it'll run off into, you know, get in, into the soil. And then eventually when it gets into the soil, one of the main worries was it was increasing soil salinity, but then also decreasing pH. And when you decrease pH, um, you actually, then you can actually mobilize metals that are in the, uh, in, in the soil. So, you know, there's naturally occurring aluminum, lead, copper, things like that. And, you know, if you remain at a normal pH, they're fine, you know, even with rain and everything like that. But then when you add certain, you know, salt and other things that are, you know, like it would, that are in the, in the de-icing salt, you can actually lower the pH and then causing them to mobilize and that they can actually get into the water as well. Um, and I was reading, there was a couple other studies that looked at the different types of, um, salt. That, that were used yeah. and there was even uh, there was one actually it was 
saying how, uh, you know, kind of that, uh, it, it was, I it said it was like, uh, different. So it kind of really mattered. You look at the effects of, uh, I think it was magnesium chloride, calcium chloride, and sodium chloride on, uh, young rainbow trout. And so they actually found that it was sodium and the uh, calcium chloride, which had the most drastic effects. They actually, they reduced the overall weight, the length. Um, and so it's, it's a really interesting topic and there is a lot of work still to be done with it. Yeah. Um, one of the main things is kind of, um, that it's even at low concentrations, there's some concern that the biggest effects can actually be had on like the early life stages within the organism. So really, early, really young, say like brook trout fry or, you know, uh, or even, you know, depending on the time of year, or, you know, rainbow trout fry, it's just, or even, you know, there's even some studies looking at effects on um, amphibian larvae, things like that. So it's kind of the really early life stages is when most organisms are that are most susceptible. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we would see probably the most pronounced effects is, is, is you know, there. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah. That's, that's not good. I mean, every little thing that we do always impacts or influences something and it always seems to be like in a negative effect and then we're always trying to do like catch up or something and yeah, it never really works yeah. out <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of tough to predict the exact effects on what something's going to have on the ecosystem but uh uh they are they are looking into some different you know more eco-friendly alternatives to rock salt um, I saw, like, I was looking at it, some, like, apparently out in Wisconsin, they're trying to use, like, cheese brine, and then other places are trying to use, uh, like, uh, beet juice mixed with salt, and so, I don't know, I, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, what, about what it, you but, said beet juice? Yeah, beet juice was, that was one of the ones that was mentioned in, uh, I've heard, I think it was, like, it was in, uh, some study, or, or there, it was, like, a, a magazine article, they're, they're looking at it as a possible alternative to, you know, just the regular rock salt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that's good. I guess there are the excess beets no one eats. Yeah, yeah whatever works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, that, that that's not good at all. I mean, that plus climate change, that, yeah. that global warming. Yeah, yeah, and the biggest worry with that one is kind of, you know, we're having this increase of, you know, our warmer, rainier winters. And so, you know, when you have, uh, there was like, I think it was like one model actually predicted a, uh, what was a uh, 77 uh, percent decrease in habitable uh, habitat, like because of you know warmer winters and rainier winters, and so when you have these more you know increased occurrence of winter flooding, it can scour the eggs. It can it, they they just kind of have a, a more pronounced effect on you know fall spawning um, fish. So say like brown trout and brook trout versus like the rainbow trout probably be more affected by. Uh, you know, you know, spring or summer flooding because they're spring spawning fish. Yeah. And does the salt also affect like the macro invertebrates too? Um, there has been a lot of, there, there hasn't, there's been some studies that looked at, you know, uh, do they make them, you know, drift or, or, you know, there actually hasn't been a lot of, uh, studies showing anything, you know, huge detrimental effects on the macro invertebrate communities, but, you know, there's there's still a lot of work to be done there, and so it's kind yeah. of can't really say yet. <laughs> there you go. There's there's another uh, thesis right there that could make you famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's something I'll look at in the future. It would be pretty cool to 
take a look at because it's it's really it, it's it, it'd be interesting to see kind of how it does affect you know anything from their you know the, their emergence to their you know what their their development anything like that so definitely you know an area for more research yeah and uh people stop buying beets we need it for the roads <laughs> oh man <clears throat> my grandmother's not going to be happy with that <laughs> no. um, yeah well like, I, I, don't, I don't know where they were trying to adopt that at, but I, I know it was like it was a possibility so you know unless you're on, I, know, I know in Wisconsin that's where they're saying about using cheese brine <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Corey for letting us have you on the show today to talk conservation and you know what people can do in the local communities to help the health of the local streams that's it for today's episode. I really hope you took something away from our discussion, and please feel free to shoot me a question by going to our Contact Us page or live chat option on the right-hand side of the screen if you're on our site. But before I go, I wanted to thank all our new members out there. We've gotten a bunch in the past few days who have really taken advantage of what we're offering. If you haven't heard, we're giving each new member of our Trout Bum Plan a barbless Euro Nymphing assortment absolutely free your first month, and this is a limited time offer. It's totally up for grabs, so take advantage of it now before it's gone, and join our monthly fly club. And that being said, I'll see you later this week. Mm-hmm.